0: Okay, so we're back in our lesson in Ephesians, and uh, we are still looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, which is where we started last week and ended last week, and I'm going to go ahead and read for you Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. (coughs) Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same things to them, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Amen? Okay. Well, I wanted to uh, start off by making us... Statement, and I'm going to write it on the board here, which is that the ultimate goal in parenting is the regeneration of your children. I want you to think about that as we kind of go through these, these lessons these days. I wonder if there is a more ultimate goal in any facet of life for mankind. Because apart from regeneration, you shall not see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said in John 3.3. 3. He said, lest a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Lest a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Amen? And so, if you will, that becomes the great purpose of life. It is to be born again. To be made a new creature in Christ by the power of God, which comes to us by repentance and faith. By believing the gospel and trusting in it and obeying it. Amen? So then, if you will, as parents, what becomes our our real goal then in parenting as Christian parents? Uh, Is it to make our kids healthier? They can be real healthy, but there's going to come a day when they're going to die of their last disease. And then what will become of them? (coughs) Will they die in the hands of God? Yes. Will they die in the mercy of God? Hopefully. That should be our great goal. Amen? Amen. To bring them to saving faith. You know, people talk about divine election and they often (coughs) struggle tremendously with their kids. And their kids' salvation, and uh, they say, you know, if this is true, you know, what about my kids? And, and then we even do that as adults. We think about ourselves. You know, am am I the elect? Well, I I said this recently. I think on a Wednesday. I'm going to say it again this morning. Trust me. There's a good chance that your kids are the elect. Why? Because God put them in your family. You're the means by which. He wants to bring those kids to saving faith. How do we know that? Because He put them in your family. And you're a Christian parent. And He commanded you to bring your kids up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So, uh, I want to just mention those things. I want you to think about them. You know, the goal in learning how to be a good parent is not simply that our families will be well ordered and that we will uh, be healthy and happy and wise although those are good benefits that come from being a good parent and and listening to God's instruction in in being a parent those things should naturally follow our, our diligent parenting but that's not the goal the goal is to bring the sinner, the child face to face with God where he can repent of his sins and receive eternal life which God is freely offering Amen? Amen. So remember that in the background of all of this stuff because I'm not going to keep coming back to that I may mention it a few times but you know the commandment for children to obey their parents is what? It's in the Lord Right? It's according to the word of the Lord and it abides in the Lord and all of those things are consistent with salvation, with regeneration, okay? So consider that as as we, as we move on here. I want you also, just to, by way of review, to remember that Ephesians 6, verse 1 is where Paul is taking up again from the statement he made back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, where he said, um, "...and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ." Okay, and then he goes through a list of teaching about the one another's, right? He says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives do this. Husbands do this. Children do this, right? Slaves do this. Masters do this. You see that progression of events that that Paul is describing after he makes that statement, be subject to one another, Line up under the God given authority that you have, whatever place in life you may be, whether a wife, a husband, a, uh, uh, a father, um, a slave, a master, wherever you find your place in life, line up under that authority that God has given you. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So, last week then, we started talking about this verse Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And we also said that. When there's a commandment, then, for someone to obey another one, that by virtue of that, that establishes a authority-submission principle. An authority-submission principle that's at work. So in this relationship of children and parents, the first thing that Paul does is he establishes that there is an authority and there is one who is to submit. Why? Because that's what he's talking about. He's talking about being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And so, remember that the word subject is the word hupatasso, which means to line up under. Remember that? That's a military term. It means to find that proper place of authority, to, to, to line up underneath that proper place of authority that God has given you, whatever it may be. And so, for the children, that authority, obviously, is their parents. Children, obey your parents. And so, there's a lot of things that are implied here And this is where I want us to stop and examine the Word of God and consider what all is being applied. You know how I've told you so many times, we just read right over the Scripture and we don't stop to meditate on it. We don't stop to think about what is truly being said. Like, for instance, a commandment like, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. says a volume of things. Not, not the least of which that we need to see is that there's an authority submission principle that's at work in that relationship, right? So if you stop for just a moment and consider that the child is to obey the parent, that says a lot of things. For instance, it says that the parent is in authority over the child and that the child is to submit to that authority, right? And then, of course, it's further supported by the context of the whole passage like we said. But... Um, it also implies then that if children are to obey they must have something to obey, right? So in other words the parent is going to give directives and the child is going to obey You with me? So children obey your parents implies that the parents are giving something for the children to obey You with me? There's a lot of things being said that we just kind of gloss right over, and we need to stop and consider that. You need to consider that as a parent, you are giving your child directives. And and you'll do that until they leave your care, right? And um, the question is, are you giving the child directives that are consistent with the teaching of the Word of God? Because, you see, in becoming a Christian, you submitted yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And He's given you commandments on how to be a parent. So now it's even a matter of righteousness or sin before God as you fulfill your responsibility as a parent. Because if you fail to obey the directives of God as a Christian parent, now you're sinning against Him. you with me? So... That's another reason why Paul says, in the Lord. Right? Remember, this part of Ephesians is practical instruction to the Christians on how to do what we as Christians do. Right? It's commandments and imperatives given to us on how to live our lives before God. How to submit our lives to the Lordship of Christ. Why? Because we're seeking to obey Christ. And there is a fear of Christ which we're lining up underneath. And we're making ourselves subject to His Lordship, right? And so He gives us these directives on, on what and how to do it. And this, of course, is not the only place. The Word of God is full of this kind of instruction. But here, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, gives us these principles and lays them out quite clearly. So, think with me about the things that are being implied by what's being said. And then as you examine your parenting relationship, consider if you're employing these directives. Consider if if your parenting is lining up and being subject to the Lordship of Christ. Okay? And so, we made, also made this point last week that as parents implement directives and children obey them, it brings about Order and welfare for the children, for the for the family, and what else? For
1: society.
0: Also for society. <coughs> so that remember, I was telling you that the the order and the welfare of your home rests on your ability to bring about obedience with your children. Because disobedient children immediately bring about what? a disorderly home right they're going to bring about chaos in the home right give a, give a child a crayon and don't give him any directives with it what's going to happen <laughs> mom's going to be walking around with a rag and some ajax for a while right why well because that's what kids do they take crayons and write on everything why because they're not responsible yet right they're a child So it brings about an order in the home, and that order brings about welfare. Why? Because the parent's going to give the child directives that guard them, protect them, guide them, lead them, keep them safe, right? The parent is going to give those child directives that are going to bring about their welfare. So think about also then how when you have a well-ordered family and you have children that obey you, the the welfare that that brings to the home. What about peace? I mean, what happens if you walk into a home and the kids are bouncing off the walls and there's no authority? Is there any peace in that home? What happens when those grow up to be teenagers? Now those teenagers are going to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. Along with all of their profane words and disrespect that they might employ toward you as a parent. You going to have any peace in a home like that? You going to have any peace in a home when you when you ask your child to do a specific thing and they turn around and talk back to you? Rebel against you? Speak profanity to you? How are you going to keep a child from going that way? You know that's the natural way they go. How are you going to keep a child from going that way? Well, you you need to bring about obedience in the home. How are you going to do that? early. Start early. (laughs) Amen. Start early. That's great wisdom. That's fabulous wisdom. If you have a pencil, you might want to write that one down. Start early, right? But, But think about it. You need to bring about obedience. How? By training. By instruction. You need to assert your authority and you need to enforce your authority. Okay? So you're going to hear me saying a lot of words like that. But talking about how that brings about order in the family and then it brings about welfare in the family. Tell me, is the family have well-being if in that family it's, it's very well ordered and the children obey the parents and there's there's really a calm order to the home. There's not chaos, right? It's time for the kid to go brush his teeth and go to bed. Johnny, go brush your teeth and go to bed. Yes mommy. yes daddy. Right? Child goes, does what he's supposed to do, goes and does his thing. He doesn't stomp his feet, scream and holler and yell and throw a tantrum. Right? Not if you're training him right. He doesn't. But if you tolerate that kind of thing, he'll do it every time. He'll push you to the limits. Will he not? He will. So and again we you know, we get into the things, some are have stronger wills than others and some by by nature are more rebellious than others definitely point well taken Right? we need to deal with different kids a little differently but the same principles apply to all of them right okay so uh, think about then if we have people growing up in our families who obey authority and come from well ordered homes what impact do you think that will have on the welfare of society I mean, you look at whatever tends to chaos in our American culture right now, today, in 2006. What is it that tends to chaos?
1: Game.
0: The first thing I think about is young people.
1: Young unemployed men.
0: Right? Young unemployed <laughs> men, right? I mean, somebody, I think it was Sophia, to start passing around that book by J.C. Ryle uh, Thoughts Talk for Young you Men. Right? If you haven't read that book, you need to read it. Whether you're whoever you are, you need to I read that book. Coffee. Huh?
2: I have more copies. She has more copies. See her. It's fabulous.
0: <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you think about in the, in our society, in our culture, the things that tend to chaos, and it's not only young people, don't get me wrong. There's old people too who make a lot of chaos, don't they? But generally speaking, what do you have? You have young rebellious people who won't obey authority, and they go out and they do what? They commit crime. Right? And and, uh, authority in in this culture, because it's very humanistic and it's very uh, man-centered, right? Authority is constantly under attack in our culture. People are driving around with bumper stickers that say, right on the back of their car, they're making a big loud statement that says, uh, despise authority. Have you seen those? Or reject authority. Have you seen those? Mm -hmm. Consider what what people in America drive around, the, the ideology that they carry around in their head. Oh, that's gonna make for a well ordered society, isn't it? That's gonna bring a lot of peace to our cities and our counties and our you know. So you you get the idea that children obey your parents and the Lord is far reaching. Right? Because we're not just members of the kingdom of God and we're not just members of our family. We're members of a culture, we're members of a society. And God has commanded us to be model people in that culture, and in that society. And he says, to do good to all men. Okay? Well, we need to be raising kids who know what that means. So that when we tell them about Christ, they see something in our life that makes them hungry, makes them thirsty. Amen? Okay. Then also, this directive, children obey your parents, implies that children are not qualified to direct themselves. Children are not qualified to direct themselves. Okay? They need direction. Even Hillary Clinton knows that. Right? Of course, she thinks the village ought to raise them. But she realizes that the children need directives. She realizes that somebody's got to raise them up and train them up. Right? It's basic. They're children. They don't have any sense by nature. Right? They have no wisdom. They have no instruction. They don't have any guidance. They don't have any principle by which to guide their life except their own selfish will and their hunger and their thirst and their lust for whatever they want to get their hands on. As a child, that's all they are. They're very self-centered. They just, they, you know, and, and that's how they are by nature. And we need to realize that. So, you know, don't, don't feel bad about being a parent and asserting directives to your children. Don't feel like you're some big ogre in the sky because you're going to give your children directives to follow. Listen, a loving parent gives their child directives to follow. You need to tell them how to live their life. You with me? You need to teach them how to live their life. They are not going to do it by nature. By nature, they're going to sin. We'll talk some more about that. They are in need of guidance and direction and are not naturally competent to make decisions about their personal welfare. Amen? Isn't that true? Children are not naturally competent to make decisions about their own welfare. They'll run right out in the street. Won't they? They'll take a pack of matches and play with the curtains. Look, Mommy, it burns. Right? You with me? they're not competent to make their own decisions. And they don't think about how it affects other people. There's just not even any thought process there. of course, that changes as they grow up and they learn,
1: right? Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. It's
0: amazing what children will learn when you teach them. Some children will grow up and strap bombs to their body and blow people up, <coughs> including themselves. If you teach them, that's a virtuous thing. You with me? <clears throat> All right. Well, how will children learn to obey their parents? How will they learn to obey their parents? Let me tell you. Here it is. ready? You must teach them. You must teach them, or they will not learn to obey you. And, you know, it's no secret to any parent that children naturally disobey. They naturally rebel. They naturally struggle against authority. Right? This is their very nature. Will those children not push you to the limits of your patience in obeying your authority? They will. Why? They do that naturally. That's their nature. They're sinners. They sin by nature. What do they do? They transgress the law of God. They rebel against God's authority (coughs) by nature. That's who we all are. Right? Scripture says God has bound all men over to sin that He might have (coughs) mercy on them all. Right? Romans 11.30. Okay? So, you have to teach them obedience. They They don't just get it by osmosis. They have to be taught it. And it's not a lesson that you teach one day and then they've got it, right? You teach them one day and the next day they're doing what? The same thing, thing, right? And some are more compliant than others. Some of them do learn the first time, frankly, right?
1: (laughs) Uh
0: Okay, so I'll ask this question then. How can we teach them obedience?
1: By modeling
0: Okay? Yeah. By commanding obedience. Mm-hmm. By modeling obedience. Right? Uh, and of course, it goes without saying, although we will say it several times, your children are going to learn to do what you do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? They're going to learn to do what you do. So, um, I, I, would, I would add that <coughs> they're not necessarily going to do what you do unless you do what you do and teach Him to do what you do. You with me? Like, I'll give you an example, okay? For, for the last 15 years, I've been saved, okay? Since I, when I first got saved, I, I frankly, I had this revelation from God that I needed to read my Bible and know what it said and understand it very clearly and through the means of obeying it that God would heal my family. <clears throat> so, ever since that time, I have been a very diligent Bible reader, okay? My family will testify to this. I read my Bible all the time. The, the, the first seven years I was saved, I read my Bible through five times. Uh, when I was a very young Christian, I had a man come along my side who discipled me, who taught me to read the Bible. He said, the Bible is everything. God's Word is everything. Blessed is the man who meditates on His Word day and night. I learned that as a young Christian. I started reading my Bible. I read my Bible constantly. To this day, I read my Bible constantly. My kids did not learn to do what I do. Okay? My kids are now 15, 17, 19. And they are not necessarily the best Bible readers Okay, so you get what you with me? Just because I read my Bible doesn't mean my kids are going to read my read their Bible. You with me? I have to teach them why they need to read their Bible. I have to not not only be, do that in practice, right? They need to understand the value of it, and they need to see for themselves and have the conviction in their own heart that that's something that needs to happen. And of course, that takes work from God too, doesn't it? God is sovereign in that process. So there's, there's a good portion of parenting that's nothing more than crying out to God for His good grace. Amen? I, mean, I, I, I would just frankly say that's all of it. <laughs> Except to say that there's a lot more to it than that. right? But I think in every good thing that we try to employ as parents, there has to be this dependence on God. Because no good work happens apart from the Spirit of God. Amen. No good, godly, righteous thing comes from anywhere except from the Father. Amen? Amen? So there has to be a great dependence on God in our parenting. But, uh, okay, so, how can we teach them obedience? Listen, you must command them and cause them to follow through. You have to give them directives, and you have to cause them to obey your directives. That's how you teach them obedience. Okay, now we're not talking about teaching them how to tie their shoes, or teaching them how to use the potty on their own, or teaching them uh, good eating habits or manners. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about teaching them obedience, teaching them the principle of following directives from authority. Okay? In order for them to learn how to follow directives from authority, you have to assert your authority. And then you have to enforce it. You have to bring them to obey it. That's how you teach them obedience. That's how you teach them obedience. Okay? Which also means when they fail, you need to correct them. You need to <coughs> reprove them. You need to discipline them many times. Right? And and so enforcing is more than just discipline. Right? A lot of times it may just be correction. It may just be reproof. You know? Maybe the child is... Try to learn how to potty and they don't quite make it in the potty. And so you got to come in and you say, you can't do it like that, honey. See, you made a mess. You need to do it like this, right? And, and so it might just be some correction. But, but other times it may be a thing where, you know, you try to teach the child manners and, and uh, they just won't listen to you. So you correct them and they still won't listen to you. So you begin to discipline the child. You begin to bring unpleasant things that begin to enforce that. Right? Maybe your child grows up he starts talking back to you. You tell them, don't talk back to me. Child keeps talking back to you. What are you going to do? You going to let them talk back to you the rest of your life? You going to let your four-year-old child talk back to you? What do you think's going to happen when they're 14? Right? So there comes a point when you have to enforce it by means of discipline. We'll talk about that. So, these things are implied. Children, obey your parents. To me, The loudest thing... You know, this verse is written to who? To children, right? It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. But I want to say that this verse is really written to parents. Why? Well, some children can't even read. Does God expect them to obey their parents? Yeah. How are they going to learn it? Parents are going to teach them. So, if you will... Stay with me here. This commandment in context is written to children. It is a directive to children. But in so much as it is a directive to children, it is a directive to parents. You with me? Your children aren't going to obey unless you teach them. That's a given. And you know, in this, in this uh, first century culture, I want to say they have plain enough wisdom to know that. But in this 21st century culture, we got yahoos running around here who don't even know the most basic things about life. And it's really rather shocking to hear the secular mindset or the whole idea of secularism. It's just vile. It's just vile. But listen, especially in the Hebrew culture, they very much knew the value and the responsibility of training your children in obedience. We're going to talk about that also. But um, in order for you to teach your children obedience, listen, you have to assert your authority and you have to enforce your authority. You have to do it. If they're going to learn to obey, they have to have directives to obey. And if if, if, if you're going to overcome their stubborn, rebellious will, you're going to have to enforce your directives. There's no other way around it. It won't happen by any other means. You can cry out to God all you want. If you're not enforcing your directives, your kids are not going to learn obedience. God's not just going to flip a switch in their head. Okay? Your parental training is the means that He's going to use to answer that prayer. You with me? Everybody with me? Okay. All right. Then he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This, he says, is in the Lord, or consistent with the Lord and His teaching, or for the Lord's sake. It implies all those things, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Because, you see, in the Lord, that's the right thing to do. Or for the sake of the Lord, it's the right thing to be subject to your parents in the fear of Christ, Amen? Furthermore, he points out that this is right, that it's right for children to obey their parents. This is the commandment of God, the fifth, right? Honor your father and mother. There is a right and wrong. In the case of children, right is obedience to their parents. Got that? Listen, your kids need to obey. That's the right thing. And when your kids are being stubborn and rebellious and talking back, let me tell you, that's the wrong thing. And if you tolerate it, you're a willing party to their death. They need to be corrected. That's the loving thing to do. And sometimes correction and reproof does not come pleasantly. As a matter of fact, many times it's very unpleasant. You with me? But it needs to be done if you are a loving parent. And I'm going to show you how that's the very character of God himself. But this is the fifth commandment. And then also, in Colossians 3, Paul says that this is well-pleasing to God. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, right? for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. We see that children's obedience is well-pleasing to the Lord. You want to please God? Teach your kids to obey you. Amen? And then also, Exodus 20.12 is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Right? You'll find that same thing in Deuteronomy 5. So, There's one thing to consider, though. Are there exceptions? Are there exceptions? And this, some commentators believe that he adds the phrase, in the Lord, to say that children do not necessarily have to obey directives from their parents if their parents are telling them to sin against God. And so they talk about this whole thing about exceptions. And so I'll make this comment. That... Are there exceptions to children obeying their parents? As far as their parents' commandments agree with those of God and no farther. No parent can have a right to require a child to steal or lie or cheat or assist him in committing murder or in doing any other wrong thing. No parent has a right to forbid a child to pray, to read the Bible, or to worship God. Okay? And so... It's important to consider that, you know, just like when a wife is to submit to her husband in everything, right? And she's to submit to her husband as to the Lord. That's only in so much as her husband's directives are consistent with the character and the nature of God. Amen? Same for children. Same for children, same for slaves. A master has no right to require a slave to kill and sin against God. Amen? Okay, so... He goes on, verse 2, he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Honor your father and mother. Another directive to children, this time dealing with the heart. They are to honor their parents. This means that the inner attitude of the heart must be one of respect and honor outward acts of honor only follow a truly respectful heart this has always been the standard of God Listen, God has always required the children of his people to honor their parents ok and, and honor just doesn't have to do with doing what they say it has to do with an attitude that's in the heart and by the way that includes you and me also because we're children, and we have parents, and God has commanded us to honor them. And I understand, sometimes that's difficult, but it doesn't change God's standard, right? This applies to every person, okay, but here in the context of children. Consider Leviticus nineteen two through 4 there uh, Moses says, Speak to all of the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy." every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Right? God commands that every one of you shall reverence his mother and father. You see? Reverence is a matter of the heart. But it's also a matter of practical obedience. It would be irreverent for you to disobey a directive of your parent if you were a child. You with me? So reverence is more than just having the respect in the heart, although that's where it chiefly lives. It's in the heart. But it must also be carried out in obedience. Are you with me? Uh, And then in Exodus 21.17, look what God says there. He says, And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Did you understand somebody made the comment last week, I think it was Dave Evans, made the comment that In the Old Testament, a child could be taken to the edge of the city and stoned for being disrespectful and disobedient to their parents. You think that's a little bit severe? Many of you think that's severe. I agree. It's very severe. But let me tell you something. That's God's severity. Not man's. You want to know how important it is for children to reverence their parents to God? Let me tell you how important it is. That under penalty of His holy, perfect, and just law, a child who is irreverent to their parents, the the penalty is death. You see, God's not playing games. And let me tell you, in the Old Testament system of the Mosaic law, you understand the law was given by Moses when the uh, when the children came out of Egypt when Israel when God delivered Israel out of Egypt they went out into the desert they they wound up at Sinai where God gave them the law okay the law governed in Israel until the time of Christ okay so another fifteen hundred years okay and that is the commandment in the Mosaic law. Do you understand? These are the laws that God laid down for his people to live by. Okay? Let me tell you something. It was a big deal in God's economy for children to be reverent and respectful to their parents. It was a very severe thing for a child to be rebellious and disrespectful to their parents. Okay? You can read countless... I shouldn't say countless. You can read stories in the Old Testament over and over and over again. Where disrespectful and disobedient child meet very destructive ends.
1: Okay? Um,
0: you can see where parents are faced with untold miseries for not properly commanding the obedience of their children. Okay? Those are examples that God gives us. I want you to know it's a very severe thing. It should be a severe thing in your home when your child transgresses your authority. You say, man, that's heavy duty, man. What about grace? Well, let me ask you a question. Was God a God of grace when He gave His law? Or did He just turn into a God of grace at the time of Christ? He's a God of grace. grace? Was He always a God of grace?
1: Is is the law
0: filled with the grace of God? Let me ask that.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) Of course. Right? You know, we, we think it's so severe, but let me ask you, if you obey it, won't it go well with you? Won't you have long life on the earth? I mean, if you parents think it's a severe thing for your kids to disobey and you enforce your authority in the home and assert it, aren't you going to have the peace of God ruling in your home? Think of all the misery you're going to be spared if you'll do the right thing. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not wisdom crying out and saying, how long will you foolish ones, will you simple ones, continue in your folly? When will you hear my voice? It is. Wisdom is crying out. Let me tell you. Wisdom is crying out to Christian parents to tell them to assert and enforce their authority in the home. Why? Because it is a severe matter to God. And it brings about a well-ordered family. And it brings about welfare in the family. You with me? Charlotte, you were first.
2: Well, I think that that you'll have peace in your heart. Yeah. But I don't think that you necessarily will have peace in your home. Okay. Because you know in my reading this week it, it was real clear to me that it is sinful for me to be frustrated with God for my over my children's salvation because his commands are to me mm-hmm. and i must obey what he has laid out for me as a parent mm-hmm. but his timing is perfect and my children cannot come to him until he enables them so my obedience to him and my peace comes from that obedience not from the, you know, the result that I get from my children. So I agree that the ultimate goal is their regeneration. But the, the uh, way that we measure that success is not by our children's regeneration because that's not our deal. It's God's deal and it's his timing. Our measure of success is our obedience and where we get our peace from is that obedience so it's not it's not an um, it's not something that is you do this and your kids will do that because it's God's timing
0: I would wholeheartedly agree with you (laughs) so let me put it in these terms the principles that we're laying down in parenting are what we call proverbial proverbial what does that mean? somebody tell me what that means General wisdom. There we go. Here's the word. General. <coughs> you know, the Proverbs are full of these kinds of statements, right? Like Proverbs 22.6, 6, and we brought it up last week. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. Now, is that an absolute promise from God? Yes? No. It's not. It's a proverb. It is generally speaking. Are you with me? You look into the word proverb, you'll find out exactly what I'm talking about. The concept of proverbial is to say that, generally speaking, these principles hold true. Okay? So I, I want to affirm what you're saying, Charlotte. I, I agree with that entirely. But I want you to know, I'm not backing down. Okay? You need to assert your authority, and you need to enforce it. And I want to reverberate what Charlotte said. The measure of success for you as a parent is your obedience to God's directives to you as a parent. Amen? It's not by the result. It's just like when a wife submits to her husband. A wife is not submitting to her husband so that he'll be a nice, kind, gentle, gracious man. A wife is submitting to her husband out of reverence for Christ. Mm -hmm. And if she submits to that husband, every single time she does the will of God and pleases Christ, regardless of what her husband does. Amen? Amen? Mm -hmm. Same principle holds true in parenting, right? The measure of your success is obedience. It is not the result. Amen? That's Mm -hmm. tremendous wisdom, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. You want to say? Well,
2: I guess... guess, um and your statement just kind of helps because what when you said that because we're, we're all children. So mm-hmm. oh, my mother is like hates God. Mm-hmm. You know, so I still need to reverence her
1: mm-hmm.
2: and honor her as long as you But, but so how do you do that when, it, well, when it, you walk into a okay, home I'm, and that's just so? And and if I'm going asking you something that would ca- it's not appropriate at this time we can talk. That's later. fine. No, but, but how so. do you as a child, an adult child? As a Christian, mm-hmm. knowing you have to honor God, wouldn't you just ask for His grace to do it? I think
0: it's difficult to find scriptures in the Bible that address that, but I'll point you to one, okay, that, that basically gives you some principle about the matter. And you'll all, you're all familiar with the fact that Saul becomes king, right? Saul is king, <laughs> and Saul continues in this pattern of disobedience. So God rejects Saul as king, takes away the anointing and does what? Anoints David, right? So for some long period of time, I'm sorry, I don't know the history that well. I think it's 10 or 15 years. Saul is still king. And David has been anointed as king. Okay? But are you familiar with the way that David reverences... He talks about how he'll never raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. You with me? So even though you have Saul, who is living a very disrespectful and disobedient life, because of his office as king, David reverence and honors him. You with me? What does it mean? Well, it means that David always treats him with reverence, holds him in high regard in his heart, and is always kind and gracious and loving and caring to Saul. You with me? even when Saul is throwing spears at him. Right? You with me? So uh, all I'm saying is you can find principles in that to help you with that. And let me just directly address it, that you have to look for things to honor inside your heart. When you're struggling with dishonor, with a parent who hates God and who doesn't really live a very respectful or honorable life, uh, you you ha- really have to kind of search your heart for things to honor. But even if you can't find any, which you will if you pray long and hard enough, uh, you still have to reverence the office of the parent. And, and if, if nothing else, you can honor God for that. Are you with me? Uh, which, which means that even though they may not be real honorable, you can treat them with honor. You can treat them with reverence. Are you with me? Okay, one more comment over here. Um, well,
1: Jonathan with Saul. Jonathan still mm-hmm. respected and honored his father and in fact died at his side in battle. Here you go. However, when when Saul was in his rebellion, Jonathan was not obedient.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. There, boy, there's a whole lot of things to learn there, isn't there? So there's another really good example for that. You see, the Bible doesn't always address everything very specifically, but it always addresses everything in principle. There isn't a single issue that you face in life that the Bible doesn't address by principle. You with me? Okay, moving on here. So, honor your father and your mother is directed to the kids. It is a very severe thing. You see that in the law. There's something for you to learn in the law when you read Exodus 20, verse 12. And it says that any child who curses... Talking about verbally spoken words. Any child who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. There's something for you to learn in that Old Testament scripture. What is it? It is the severity of a child's rebellion, it is the severity of words that a child speaks to a parent which are cursing words. You with me? To God, that's a very severe thing. So, listen. Principle from the Old Testament for you to apply today. It should be a very severe thing for you and your family, for your kids to speak cursing words to you. You with me? It should be something that you never tolerate. Okay? You with me?
1: Amen. Guys, I'm not
0: telling you some strange thing. This is the old, old story. <laughs> OK, these aren't these aren't new new principles for new Christian life. OK, this is coming from the mouth of Moses in Exodus 2012. You know how old that is? That's almost 4000 years old. This has long been God's standard. If we haven't learned it till now, it's just because we haven't learned it till now. OK, but now we're learning it. So we need to employ it you with me. And I want to tell you, it's, it's going to bring about tremendous welfare for you and your family. It really will. So, I'm not trying to tell you how to take your kid out to the side of the house and stone
1: him. <laughs> okay? Want
0: um, that would be against the law in today's culture. And uh, not only that, that's not what Paul is saying. Right? The point is that it, it is a severe matter for children to, to, to talk back to their parents with cursing words. You with me? Severe matter. Okay. What relation do you suppose that... Oh, I'm sorry. I missed Proverbs 30, verse 17. Listen to what it says. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and young eagles will eat it. What do you suppose is meant by that proverb? Somebody help me out
1: you're dead okay did
0: you hear what Greg said it implies that the eye that mocks his father and scorns his mother is going to die right and the idea about a raven picking out his eye or an eagle picking out his eye means he's going to die a dishonorable death and will probably be left roadside or in the battlefield or some violent death you with me okay In other words, what the proverb is saying is don't scorn your mother and don't mock your father. Okay? Because it will not go well with you. You get it? That's what the proverb is saying. You with me? It's not a good thing. Scorning your mother and mocking your father are vile, wicked sins. Okay? You with me? Listen, in your home, Mocking your father or scorning your mother should be a vile, wicked thing. And your children ought to be taught that. They shouldn't go through life ignorant of that truth. Are you with me? This is why this thing, you know, I for years I harp on Bart Simpson. Because what, what does Bart Simpson do? <coughs> he teaches children to mock their father and scorn their mother. Not only does He teach him to do it, but He makes it funny for them to even think about it. You with me? I cannot think of a more abominable thing than for kids to be learning that from some animated box that's there, that's captured their attention, that's teaching them to make light of sin and to love the idea of mocking their father and scorning their mother. You see how vile that is? That's like letting a witch come live in your house and teach your kids. It's worse than that. The TV show's twice as powerful as a witch. It's put together by people who make lots of money and draw pretty pictures and know how to make people laugh. You with me? It's a vile thing, friends. Consider. Consider what happens to your family when they sit in front of a TV and watch certain things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You with me? It's awful quiet in here. Didn't didn't hear many amens on that one. Amen. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you know, I
1: used to think that you were a little Speaking. severe when you used to put down those sins. Like, well, that's kind of petty, but that was a few years ago. <laughs> I gotta I admit, you know, I, I, I'm with you. Hey, <laughs> Amen. we progress, baby. You got this Bible teacher
0: jumping for joy. Man. But you know, if, if you look at it in, in light of God's holiness, you kind of you kind of see it. You know, you can really see how vile that is. Okay. What relation do you suppose honor has to do with authority? What relation do you suppose honor has to do with authority? Now remember this. Karen was telling us that children, obey your parents as a directive to parents. And I was affirming that. And uh, how about this? Children, honor your father and your mother is a directive to parents. Right? Because just like the child isn't going to obey by nature, what else aren't they going to do?
1: Honor.
0: They're not going to honor by nature. They're not That inner attitude of the heart, naturally, is not going to be honored. Okay, that's going to be a learned attitude, which is going to produce learned behavior, right? So, children must respect and submit, verse 521, to the authority of their parents. Parents must assert and enforce their authority and bring the child to obedience. How can a child learn this behavior unless their parents teach them? In fact, if a child does not learn to submit to authority to the authority of his or her parents through discipline, they will not learn to honor and obey any authority, including God Himself, which will eventually lead to their eternal death. You understand what I'm saying? If your child does not learn to honor authority and obey it, he will never learn to honor and obey God. I want to tell you, honor for authority, respect for authority, Authority is something that is deeply rooted in the heart of people. Many of you know, you grew up in homes where there wasn't a lot of honor. And it was very difficult to grow up in that home. And it was very difficult to learn to submit to authority. Authority may have been abused. Authority may have put a very sour taste in your mouth. And you know what I mean when I say that honor and respect for authority are very deeply rooted in the heart. You with me? So listen, if your child is going to grow up, if you're after this, if you're after regeneration, you must teach your child to love God. Right? Of course, that's the commandment of God, Deuteronomy 6.5, 6, 6, I'm
1: sorry. Right?
0: But the point is, is that they're not going to naturally come by it. It's not going to happen by osmosis. You have to teach them that, uh, that they need to honor authority. You have to assert and enforce that in your home. They're not going to honor God, unless, of course, God does a miracle. I mean, listen, they, you know, they, as a matter of fact, God has to do a miracle for every one of them to be saved. But the point is, is that typically the means by which Christian young people are getting saved is by good Christian parenting. You with me? That is the means that God uses to bring them to the point of regeneration, which He does. You with me? Don't want to confuse that. But, <clears throat> listen, if your kids don't learn to honor and respect authority, they're not going to honor and respect God. How many of you know that to be true? How many of you know that to be true? Okay, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Consider, even as a child does not naturally obey their parents, neither do they naturally honor them. Okay, so Proverbs nineteen eighteen says, "Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death." So somebody tell me, what is this proverb saying? (coughs) Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. What is it saying?
1: <laughs> start early
0: okay it's saying that I agree if you
1: don't
2: bother to
0: okay there you go there you go if you don't discipline then you are tending to their death or in these words you are desiring their death right is that what the proverb is saying it is is it, is it proverbial? Yes, it's proverbial. It doesn't mean that if you don't discipline your child, he's going to die. Okay? But generally speaking, if you don't teach your child the nature of discipline, okay, he's going to grow up not having any discipline and not obeying God, and he will die. Not die in the body, die in the soul. You understand? That's what that proverb is saying.
1: And you as a parent will
0: have to answer to God. I agree. You as a parent will have to answer to God. Not for the soul of the child, but for your disobedience to God's directive to you to discipline them. You with me? Mm -hmm. And there are places in the scripture where it says their blood will be required at your hands. You'll have to wrestle with that one. Somebody. And
2: if you don't, If you don't discipline them, in essence, you are condoning what they do. Mm -hmm. They believe, in their mind, if you're not, if you're not disciplining them, not calling them on it, and you just say it's just the stage that they're going through or it's just something that they have to experience, Mm -hmm. then they believe you are
0: condoning it. Amen. Either consciously or subconsciously, they will do that. Right? Did everybody hear that? If you don't, if you don't assert your authority and enforce it, listen, your kids think they can do whatever they want to do. And they will push you to the limit. And, and, and trust me, when they get older, you have no idea what the limit is. The limit of your misery is going to be very difficult. You better start young. You better start early. Amen? Amen. Uh, you know, and, all right, we're going to end here. And I want you to know we're going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about instruction. We're going to talk about wisdom. Um, but I, I, I want you to be encouraged, okay? Especially if you have young children. If you have young, you're you not going to be able to do this perfectly. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to fail every day of your life in some way as a parent. And if you think you're doing it right, let him who uh, thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. You with me? And if you're done parenting and you think you did it right, you are blind. (laughs) Okay? So, but I, I want to encourage you in this. Listen to me. If you'll get these principles from the Word of God down, and I'm going to give you them, I'm going to show you where they're at, and you'll be able to lay hold of them if you want to. If you employ them, You will experience a blessing and a welfare in your family that you cannot even understand until you get there and experience it. Furthermore, you will bring about a spiritual welfare in the lives of your children for the rest of their days that you could not possibly try to calculate by thinking about it. What I'm saying is is that... (coughs) It, 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 even though it's proverbial, listen, God gave us those proverbs for a reason. To teach us what to do and how to do it. Because generally speaking, it's going to bring about those results which he's telling us that it will. Okay? So, what you what you need to do is you need to get a hold of these principles and you need to employ them and I want you to know the blessing that you will reap from your diligence in being a good, godly parent, it will be untold. It will be a tremendous thing for you and your kids. Every bit of work you put into it, you'll get back a hundredfold. Some of you have experienced that. I have. I have experienced it. And I do wholeheartedly feel like every bit of work I put into my parenting to obey these directives that God has given, my kids reap it a hundredfold. And sometimes it is very unpleasant. Okay? But it brings about a harvest of righteousness. That's what the Scripture says. Amen? Okay, next week, shall we pray? God, our Father, Lord, I, I thank You for Your Holy Word. I pray that only Your truth would seat in our hearts, God. I pray as we come and we discuss all of these matters that You would fashion our understanding of of, of what you've called us to as parents. God, I pray if our parents are grown, if our kids are grown and, and we are grandparents, God, that you would help us to learn here so that we can instruct our kids how to be good parents and how we could have an impact on our grandchildren. I pray, Father, that you would just uh, do a very profound work in our hearts on these issues, on these matters. May we see them of utmost importance, God, no matter what station we are in life. I pray, Father, that we would accept them as your holy word and that we would employ them. Grant us diligence, God. Grant us energy that we might carry out these things. I pray, Father, that you would elevate uh, our ideas of wisdom in our minds so that we, we we consider wisdom supreme in our parenting, God, and that we seek to to lay hold of it and to possess it and to employ it. I pray, Lord, that you would do all of these things in our hearts and, and that you would make us a, a people that that just rejoice in all of the good order that you bring to our families. God, that we would rejoice in the welfare and the peace and the joy and the patience that you bring to our families. God, may we see it and glorify you with everything that is within us. We thank you for your love to us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.